when you understand what you're doing with your time and you track it and you audit it, then it gives you power to start to make decisions and choices because then you can see how much time you'd have then left for your life. And we're born to live. We're not born to work. We're not born to be here working 14, 16 hour days, taking two weeks off for a holiday and that's your life. Hello, visionaries, creators, innovators, entrepreneurs and leaders of all types. Hi, my name is John Miles and I wanted to welcome you to this episode of the Passion Start Podcast, where it is my job to interview high achievers from all walks of life and unlock their secrets and lessons to becoming Passion Start. The purpose of our show is to serve you, the listener, by giving you lessons, tools, and activities that you can use to achieve a passion-driven life. Now, let the journey begin. Welcome to episode 38 of the Passion Struck Podcast with our guest, Abigail Barnes. And today we're going to talk to you about effective time management skills to increase your efficiency and that pursuit of your passion-driven life. I want to start out today's episode with two quotes. The first is from John Maxwell, who said, the secret of your success is found in your daily routine. And the second quote is from Miles Davis, who said, time isn't the main thing, it's the only thing. And those are both so applicable to today's lesson, where you're going to hear from Abigail about the life event that completely changed her outlook, not only on the way she lives her life, but on the importance of time and why time management became such a passion for her. We are then going to unpack her 888 formula that she is using to teach leaders all around the world around how to make their time more effective in going after their most important goals that they want to attain and so much more in this interview. But let me tell you a little bit more about Abigail Barnes. She is the founder of Success by Design Training, an award-winning author, entrepreneur, speaker, and corporate trainer on time management and productive well-being. She is a qualified coach and creator of the renowned 888 formula that I talked about earlier. Success by Design Training is on a mission to share this formula with over a million people by 2025. And they want to help entrepreneurs and individuals improve their work-life balance and reclaim an hour a day. Also, she just recently released a new book called Time Management for Entrepreneurs and Professionals. And we're going to talk about that and so much more. Now, let the journey begin. Abigail, I wanted to welcome you so much to the Passion Struck Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I think your story is such an interesting one for our listeners. And I wanted to start by you telling them the story of your early life and specifically your days in university and then how that transitioned into your career in finance. Yeah. So I always wanted to be a business owner, but I didn't know what to do. And the only example that I had were, were people like Richard Branson and you know, others of that um, upper echelon, if you like. Um, So I went to university and studied business and marketing um, at a university called Oxford Brooks. And I absolutely loved it. I loved the course. I loved the people and I loved learning. And when I finished my degree, I was very fortunate that I actually had a job in the city, in the financial district in London, working for an investment bank. And um, I I loved that. And I loved the people and I loved what I did. But there was always something in me that wanted to do something else. So I then sort of throughout my career, you know, changed and tried different jobs, tried different sectors. So I worked in investment management, asset management, hedge funds. I even did a transformation project for High Street Bank. 
but it was never quite what I felt I was looking for. If I say I felt like that I had a hole in my soul, maybe that will make sense to your to your listeners. But that's kind of where I was. So what you mean by that is you were kind of going through the motion. You were doing these different jobs, but you felt as if something was missing. Your true calling was missing. Yeah, totally. So I think so many of the listeners can relate to that. And I relate to it personally, because for many years, I felt the same exact way. And I got to a point where it was getting hard to wake up in the morning and actually go to work because I was feeling so burned out for one, but second, that I was spending all this time, you know, helping this company achieve its dreams, but I really wasn't focusing on working on mine. And so that was starting to frustrate me more and more. Did you feel kind of the same? Yeah. And if I sort of look back to that period of time, like the late 90s, early noughties, I I would have sort of been saying to myself things in my head like, what's the point? I don't understand what I'm here to do. You know, don't get me wrong. I wasn't, it wasn't suicidal ideation, but it very much just has always been a narrative of why am I here? So I was good at what I did. I got it done. You know, I ticked all the boxes. I had all the clothes. I did all the things, but I chased Prada, parties, Prosecco, and it just, it felt like nothing until then one day my boss said, Abigail, we're going to send you on a work business trip. Um, We're flying your business class to Boston. And that was it, John. I thought I'd made it. Wow. And before we get to that pinnacle moment, I just wanted to go back on a couple of things that you, you just talked about. I refer to this as people living a portfolio career where they kind of keep going from job to job, never feeling fulfilled, but feeling that they're stuck because whether it's they've received this education that they have and feel that it's going to be too difficult to learn something else, or maybe they started in something that they thought was going to be their passion and it turns out not to be, but now they're earning an income level that gives them a nice, comfortable life with the house, the car, whatever it may be, and et cetera. Why do you think it's difficult for people to pull themselves out of that that trap that so many of us get into? This is such an amazing question. And I love that you've asked this because if I look back to who I was prior to my wake up call that I'm sure we'll discuss in a minute to where I am right now, I would say it quite literally is the difference between having a fixed mindset and having a growth mindset. Now, I'm sure your audience are familiar with the work of Carol Dwyer, who has an amazing TED talk on this. If you've not seen it, definitely check it out. You always do what you've always done based on what you know. So there's nothing right or wrong with where we are. It just is what it is. But so if I was to look back to who I was prior to this wake up call, I had a very fixed mindset that this was the path, this was the only way, this is the way everybody else had to do it, fit in, don't cause an argument, be a good girl. And that came from childhood. That came from my parents, it came from their parents' parents, that came from society, that came from religion. It was just reinforced of these are the rules. And John, I've never really liked to accept rules. (laughs) Um, And I, I would kind of say that to your audience, like if you can become... And a scientist in your own life and question everything within the limits of what you're able to question, but start to ask yourself, how does this feel? Does this feel authentic to me? Does this feel like what I want to do? And if it doesn't, what can you change? And the quality of your questions dictates the quality of your life. But I just want to clarify for the audience, I did not have this level of um, awareness or self-awareness prior 
to my wake up. So do you have to have a dramatic wake up? I don't believe so. You just have to have a desire to believe that there must be another way and then just to be courageous enough to to investigate what is the other way. Yeah, sometimes I refer to it as I think we are all filled with these beliefs and I think that's what you were bringing up. And it starts with kind of the zip code you were born into, your family situation, and those early influences that are around you. And because of that, it morphs our mind into what we think we're capable of doing. It kind of puts us in this box of, we think we can survive in this box, but we can't attain things out of it. And I often talk about one of the most important things is learning to set aside those beliefs and start focusing on your values because your values will lead you to where you want to go, which we're going to get to um, here in a moment with you. So they don't really understand how they can get over those, what you called fixed mindsets and really through constant learning, learn a new path to really step into what I call their sharp edges and lead the life that they're meant to live. And I call this, I recently did, I recently did a podcast episode on it, that people are living a pinball life. And instead of playing the game, they're letting the game play them. And they let all the distractions and everything else similar to the game in life encompass their life instead of playing it with intentionality in the way that they need to. So with that as a backdrop, you're now in your early 30s, you get this amazing opportunity to go on this business trip to Boston, which you think is going to really establish the next chapter of your professional career. And then out of the blue, the most unexpected thing happens to you. What what was that? So 24 hours after I arrived in Boston, collected from the airport by my friend, taken to her parents' house, we have dinner, Boston clam chowder. I wake up with a headache and find myself in a hospital being woken up by a doctor and being told that at the age of 32, I'd had a stroke. Oh my gosh. So So did it just come out of nowhere? I mean, what happened when you were at your friends that led up to this? Yeah. So to backtrack then, I wake up on the Saturday morning. So I arrive on the Friday night, wake up on the Saturday morning with a headache, which wasn't to be unexpected. I'd, you know, consumed some champagne on the flight, some wine at dinner. um, And I, John, just thought it was a headache. And then the symptoms got progressively worse very, very quickly. Uh, Black and white lights were flashing in front of my eyes. I felt physically sick. I couldn't make it to the bathroom. And at the point that I was um, being sick in a dustbin, her mother walked past the door and said, are you okay? And I said, have you ever had a migraine like this where you feel sick? She said, no, I'm calling an ambulance. So at that time, in those moments, I felt like the worst guest ever. And I felt like it was a little bit dramatic that she was calling an ambulance. But two minutes later, When I couldn't move physically, I was paralyzed and I couldn't breathe. I was grateful that she had called the ambulance because then the ambulance crew came crashing into the room, took me off to the hospital to go for a load of tests to actually find out what had happened. And it took them 24 hours and CT scans and MRI scans to ascertain that that had actually happened. Because at the beginning, that they were wondering if I was drunk or on drugs. (laughs) Because these sorts of things just don't happen to a physically well 32-year-old. Yeah, and and before this, you were very active, socially active, physically active, intellectually active. I used to run 26 miles a week. Um, Every single day I'd get up religiously and run. I'd only take Sundays off. And so physically, I was totally there. And this kind of goes to show 
that you never know what's going on underneath the surface. So there was a medical reason for the stroke, but if there hadn't been a medical reason, I probably would have burnt out um, just from not really sleeping as much as my body needed me to and all our bodies need us to, and, you know, just eating for convenience rather than eating the the right foods for fuel, which I do now. So, yeah. Well, I can relate to you from the standpoint of a little bit about what you were going through, because for years I've suffered from chronic migraines, but I do get the ones where they became become incapacitating to the point uh, where I do feel nauseous and the world is spinning and everything like that. And it is a very scary feeling because when that happens, you're, you're just completely incapacitated. Everything in my case bothers me from noise to light to everything. And I eventually just have to you know, curl up for hours until it kind of passes. So if you had never experienced that before and yours was far worse, I can just imagine for you what what was going through your head. Um, So um, how long did it determine or how long did it take for them to determine what caused the stroke? Was it an immediate thing or did it take some time? So they had the MRI scan. So after this doctor wakes me up to tell me you've had a stroke, my first thought is, what about my meetings? Um, And the doctor's answer was, you're going to the intensive care, don't worry about your meetings. But all I could think about was work. So they had the MRI scans and then they did tests over the week that I was in the hospital just to sort of rule every single thing out. Like, was there a hole in my heart? Did I actually have blood clots? Um, in other parts of my body, et cetera, et cetera. It turned out that I'd had a knock on my neck at some point, which had led to a blood clot, which, and the chances of this stroke that I had happening are one in a million. Uh, Wow. So in Boston, you're thousands of miles away from home. You know, you probably feel a little bit embarrassed because of what happened with your your friend. You don't know what to tell your, your work. I mean, what was going through your mind at this moment? Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. So, and you summed it up so well. So after this, you would expect the person to be sort of infused with gratitude. I've got a second chance. This is amazing. Let's go out there and take on the world. But the reality is that in those first few days after any life-changing situation that anyone's ever had, you're just struck by what does this mean? Who am I now? What will people think about me? So my rehabilitation to, to get out of the hospital, they sort of discharged me within a week and then flew me back to the UK. But it really took probably about nine months before I could actually go back to work again. So I was rehabilitated back to work, went back to the job, but it just never... I never felt connected to it again, and I never felt like it was what I was supposed to be doing. But I went back because I just didn't know what else to do. So when I say to people that I understand how hard it is to move from the fixed mindset to the growth mindset, to change your life, I understand because I've been there. So nothing I'm saying is ever just flippantly, oh, well, just, you know, just deal with it. Just do it. Because I, I get it. And it's step by step by step by step. So it was a step-by-step process. And then one day in the office, that was it. I was just, you know, out of there. Okay, I'm leaving. I'm starting a business. I've no idea what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to become a speaker. And that was it. It was like something in me was woken up. But there was no plan. There was no reason. There was no logic. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else. But that was just my path and my journey and my way of transitioning from the old me to the new me. And I just want to take a a second here because this was a huge changing point in the direction of your life. Had you not 
had this stroke and gone on and, and did your job in Boston, do you think you would have eventually made the change that we're going to get to? Or do you think you would have stayed stuck there for a longer period of time? It's a million dollar question, isn't it? It's hard to suppose. But on the path that I was going on, just so your audience is clear, I walked away from a secure, stable job and literally jumped and the net appeared. But there was no certainty in any of it. So sometimes in life, we have to have faith. And they say faith. It's not faith until it's tested. Yes, I know when I made my own jump, it's very intimidating because, you know, in my case, I walked away from this career that I had built up to the very point of reaching the pinnacle that I thought I always wanted to be at, you know, which was this CEO um, of a major corporation, only to find that everything that had been building up inside of me was still there. And when I finally made that choice to do something different and what I felt was my calling, this new chapter of my life, passion struck, um, it didn't just become that overnight. And in fact, when I started to take the step, I started to fall back into, you know, kind of safety periods um, before taking the leap. Because when you take that leap, it's it's as if you're walking off a cliff and you're just looking at the abyss and you don't have a parachute. And so I know it can be very daunting when you think about it. But on the flip side, if you don't take that leap, you'll do what I was doing. And that is use these safety nets to keep hindering yourself from really growing in the way that you need to, to unleash your passion. And is that something that you've seen? So I would just just say like in all of this, there's a few puzzle pieces that it's only, it's the Steve Jobs quote, it's only as you look back that you can see where the dots, how the dots um, connect. So back in the day, when I was sort of thinking about would I start a business, would I do what I did, personal development wasn't what it was, the internet wasn't what it was, and mobile phones literally just were for phone calls and text messages. So the world that we are in right now, there has never been a better time if you are looking for ways to broaden your knowledge base, your understanding, if you are wanting to set up a business as a side hustle evenings and weekends, you can run it from a mobile phone and you couldn't back then. So that's one of the big things that people have as an advantage for them right now. So understand that, that the world has moved on. The other thing to say is there are more and more stories out there of people that show what's possible. So again, back in the day, I literally had, there were maybe five or six books and a lot of the people that are referenced in the books, like Think and Grow Rich and things like this, you know, they were centuries ago. You know, they're great fundamental books, but they're not necessarily going to help little old me right now who lives in the UK. And it's, you know, so whoever you are, wherever you are, I would empower you to go to Google or a browser of choice and ask it your questions because this was not a possibility for a heck of a lot of people in the past. And they were still able to do what they've done, which is amazing. But now you can find those answers. I feel like this. I don't know what to do with that. And also find coaches, find trainers, find find programs, invest in yourself to learn more, just like you would for your academic career, going to university and stuff like that. Why do we think that once you've finished college, you've finished formal education, that that's it? That's the start. And even if it's just as little as buying books and, and reading the books or watching TED Talks, these sorts of things. They don't have to have a huge financial investment, but 
investing in your mind and making the most of that time that you have. Everyone's got the same 24 hours, but they don't all have the same beliefs. So if you want the life of the people you admire, you have to start becoming aware of what their beliefs are, identifying the limiting ones that you have and changing them belief by belief. And each of those is a step in the direction you want to go in. And I think there's so much truth to that. And as I was going through my career, I had always thought that emotional intelligence and the emotional quotient were the most important things to determining success or failure. And now as I look at things, I feel it's now shifted to adaptability and the adaptability quotient. And I was interviewing I guess a number of weeks ago, we just put out a, a podcast uh, yesterday on him. His name is, is Dave Snowden. He's a very prominent Welch expert on knowledge management and complexity science. And in our discussion, he was talking about that he thinks society has been forcing people to become specialists. And his belief is we need to do just the exact opposite and become generalist because pretty soon technology is going to displace so many of these specialist jobs. And if you don't know how to be not only a specialist, but understand how to be a generalist and pivot and adapt and learn how to do something new, you're going to be left on the sidelines when some of the fourth industrial revolution starts really going into full swing in the next five to 10 years. So I think you're, what you just said about you know, it, you can't sit there and go, I'm going to change all my beliefs in one day, or I'm going to go from this to that. But you can certainly start taking micro steps and those micro steps over time become macro steps along the way. Um, and you'll see those shifts that occur. And just to sort of hammer that one home for people, there's no magic pill. There's no shortcut. There's no blueprint. There's no uh, one size fits all, despite the marketing that you will see. So, um, you know, newsflash. <laughs> It's about what you do incrementally every single day. It's compounding your knowledge. It's compounding your activities. Everyone wants a six pack, but no one wants to go to the gym every day to do the work. But there is no shortcut to a six pack unless you go to the shop and buy one. And that would be a six pack of, of alcohol because they don't sell body six packs. But the, the, the gym analogy is one of the best analogies for life is because it physically shows you the discipline that is required to create what it is that you want, that you achieve, but it is possible. It is possible. And I think the gym analogy is a great one because if you think about going into the gym and doing a rep, sometimes we're stuck with emotions versus action and you can't have both. So the emotion may be, you know, I'm feeling really tired or I don't think I can do these reps. Whereas the action is using that mindset that I can get through that forget about that emotion and and do that 10th, 11th rep at that weight and not let my mind hold me back from doing it. And the same thing is so true in life and getting through these beliefs because it's not going to be easy. And I don't care if you've listened to Gary Vee, Tom Bellew, you know, Jay Shetty, whoever it is, if you listen to a thousand guests, like you've said on your point, every single one of them is going to say, there's no easy way from going to point A to point B without doing the work in between. And whoever it is, whatever they say, it started with one rep, one set, one thing. So if your goal is crazy and big, which I hope it is, how can you break that down into a yearly goal, into a quarterly goal, into a monthly goal, into a daily goal, into a, what's that one thing that if I just do that one thing today will move the needle? nothing else. It doesn't matter. You don't have to do a million things. 
what one thing and holding yourself to self-integrity because if you said you were going to do it and you do it you're reinforcing and creating belief and habit muscles in yourself and you this is where imposter syndrome comes up a lot of the time it's because people are out of integrity with themselves they're saying one thing and doing another I, I would agree with that and I if you think about the path to recovering from a stroke or the path to recovering you know, in, in my case, from some traumatic brain injuries I had in combat, it all starts with repetition. It's, you know, physical therapy doesn't work. And any physical therapist or occupational therapist will tell you this, unless you're doing the exercise they give you on a daily basis, because your mind relearns itself through repetition. And the same thing through learning uh, a new skill, a new trait, a new belief, it, it takes that daily work and then to me, it's it's like you build one belief upon the other over time. And it's those building blocks that get you from where you are now to where you want to be. But you're right. Um, it starts with one rep. Or I remember this uh, person and this captain in the military I worked with, uh, he said he had reached a point because of smoking where he couldn't even run from one telephone pole to another without having to stop because he was getting so winded and he had quit smoking and made this commitment to himself that he wanted to get himself back in shape. So he went from one pole to the next, to the next, to the next. And uh, by the time I had known him a few years later, he was running marathons because he had really made that goal. And the same thing is true no matter what you want to achieve. And you build it. So if your goal is better health, then it's what can you do every day towards that better health? And maybe the first thing you do is you go through your wardrobe and you find all the things that you would wear to work out in. And then that's what you do one day. And then the next day you go to a shop and you buy some trainers. And then the next day you try the trainers on. And it might be that it takes you five days to actually get out of the house or get into the gym. But it's really about understanding these teeny tiny little micro steps that you're doing every single day. They call it stacking the habits and it starts to create a ripple effect. And what you want is your dominoes when they get pushed. You want your dominoes to get pushed in the way you want them to go versus the way you don't want them to go. Like we are not a pinball in a machine to come back to your analogy. We are the machine. So we get to decide, do I want to play this game or do I want to take my pinball somewhere else and, and stop playing that game? Because I don't want to be flicked around by the will of somebody else. I am the master of my own destiny, to quote um, the poet. Did you know that Forbes magazine recently cited that 70% of individuals who do personal development, masterminds, and one-on-one -on -one coaching benefited from better work performance increased communication skills and overall better relationships. And we at PassionStruck are obsessed with self-development, coaching, and mentorship. That is why we've created a free resource to help you unlock your hidden potential. Because people doing great things in business and life are just like you, only they've had a coach along the way. And we've got that covered too. Let us show you the systems and frameworks that we teach growth-minded individuals to help them step into their sharp edges. Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things, and Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, 
Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers, according to a recent survey, say Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash passionstruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to passionstruck. Execute on their passion journeys and get predictable results time and time again. Go to passionstruck.com slash coaching right now and let's get igniting. One of the most common objections I hear or impediments when I'm talking to clients or prospective clients is, yeah, I really want to make this move. I, I really want to make this change, do things differently, but I just don't have time. Um, and time management is like their biggest fear. And so I want to switch this conversation now to time because you were an expert in time management. Um, but I, before you answer that, I kind of w- want to lead the listener into, you know, how did you become an expert in time management and what got you on this path? Yeah, so um, you're, you're describing that classic sentence that we call the yeah, but. And the yeah, but is followed by anything. Yeah, but I don't have time. Yeah, but I don't have money. Yeah, but I can't do it. Yeah, but I don't know anyone who does it. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. It's a limiting belief. So it's not true. It's a belief and it's a story that we keep telling ourselves. So how I became um, passionate about time management, not sure that I call myself a time management expert, but that's because the word expert, what does that even mean? I would say I'm more of an expert around time confidence because fundamentally I I really get that it comes down to confidence. So after my wake up call, I recognized that the most important thing that we had was our time and how we used our time was creating the lives that we had. And so I combined that awakening with my corporate background of sort of time and time management, my degree, my study, what actually Uh, productivity men and what we could do with our lives and how being more productive would help us. So it kind of all came together in a melting pot, if you like. I wrote a book about time management for entrepreneurs because at the time, entrepreneurs were who I was speaking to. But then it turned out the yeah, but kept coming up. Yeah, but I don't have the money. Yeah, but I can't do it right now. Yeah, but I don't have the team. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but. So I was being brought in to train people on time management. And then as time went on, I was also brought in to sort of train organizations and teams as well. Even though the book was aimed at entrepreneurs, people were still applying the tools because they are applicable. And so I was doing the trainings, John, and the organizers were really happy when I came off the stage and the audience did that whole kind of head on one side, arms crossed, like, and they'd come up to me afterwards and they'd start the sentence and they'd say, oh, really great training, but, and it's so disappointing when you put your life, your heart and your soul, your your knowledge, your expertise into sharing things that could change their life. But I was not going to be sort of thrown off by that. I started to become the observer. So I was watching them and out of 
remember all the slides I was putting up when I was doing the trainings. There was one slide I put up that they all took their phones out and took a photo of, that they all started messaging me about, that they all started writing their testimonials around. And I was like, hang on a minute, that's just one slide. And this one slide said 888 on it. And I was like, how is this one slide being sort of the most photographed slide? What's going on? And what I've identified, obviously, then with learning more and sort of going on the journey and studying neuroscience and just becoming more of a scientist in my own life and of my own clients, what I started to recognize is that the 888 formula is a pattern interrupt. So it is the simplest way to divide a 24 hour day. We all have to sleep. So scientists say seven to nine hours is the optimal sleep and seven and a half hours is the the average. So let's call that eight. Society is saying that we need to work eight hours. So that's our other eight. So that we've got two eights sandwiching a middle eight, which is our life. So the middle eight's the jam in the 888 sandwich. That's everything else. And then people are like, hang on, say that again, eight hours sleep. I don't sleep eight hours. Eight hours work. I don't work eight hours. Eight hours for my life. Where does my commute go? Where does my relationship go? Where does my workout go? Where does my housework go? And so then I'm like, yeah, well, this is this is the thing. This is the conversation. When you sleep, when you don't sleep enough, scientifically, your body starts to act like you're drunk because you're, the chemistry, your body is not having enough ch- time to relax, to recharge. It's not having enough time to regenerate. So you are operating in your life like you've got alcohol in your body. And when emotion is high, our intelligence is lower. And this is what happens when we're not getting enough sleep. So the first part of the formula is always around make sure you're getting enough sleep. When it comes to work, if you're paid to work eight hours, but you're working more, there's something going on there. So you are spending 10, 12, 13, 14 hours doing an eight hour day. That's your choice. So how can you become more productive to do what you need to do? to then prove to your your team, your talent, your bosses that there is more need for headcount, if that might be the case, that you're doing lots of other people's jobs. And obviously, we're in a pandemic at the moment, so life is a little bit odd. But when you understand what you're doing with your time and you track it and you audit it, then it gives you power to start to make decisions and choices, because then you can see how much time you'd have then left for your life. And we're born to live. We're not born to work. We're not born to be here working 14, 16 hour days, taking two weeks off for a holiday. And that's your life for however many years or until you retire, which reminds me of a story when I worked in um, a bank that my colleague kept saying to me, well, it doesn't matter about doing that. I'm going to retire in five years. It doesn't matter about doing that. I'm going to retire in four years. It doesn't matter about doing that. I'm going to retire in three years. It doesn't matter about doing that. I'm going to retire in two years. And then we had a market crash. And then their stock portfolio that they had been investing in as their sort of get out halved. So then I went into work the next day and I said, so what about this? And they had nothing to say <laughs> because now they weren't retiring in two years. They didn't know when they were going to retire. But the point of that story is that the clock is always ticking, but we're the ones in charge and we're the ones that have the power when we look at the results or the consequences of what we're doing with our time. Yeah, and I want to break this down a little bit more because I'm sure both of us know plenty of people in our lives and some very famous ones who say, I only need four hours of sleep and and that's all I need to, to function properly. How do you respond to that to someone who says something like that? 
So first of all, I have to say I'm not medically trained, so I'm not qualified to actually respond to that. I can only share the science that I've learned. So the science that I've learned, there are about 1% of people in the world that can sleep for less than six hours. People who are in the habit of sleeping for less than six hours are in a habit. So now whether that's good for their body or not, their body is waking them up. So here's just to be scientific for a second. We sleep in 90 minute cycles. So the first 15 minutes we're going to sleep, next 15 minutes deeper sleep, next 15 minutes is our deepest sleeps, hardest to wake somebody up from. And then the final 15 minutes is the dream state where we're starting to wake up and we're half asleep, half awake. And then we go back round again into another cycle. So your body has as many cycles as it needs to recharge, to reset, to re to rejuvenate, to, to do a huge number of things. If you're interested in it, a brilliant book about it's called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker will just blow your mind because the science that he's got in there, it's actually quite scary when you understand the long-term consequences of not having enough sleep. And then obviously you've got people who are insomniacs, you've got people who are sort of waking because of what's happened to them in their past. But there are people out there that you can work with that can help you to specifically address it if it's a problem for you. But all I would say is your sleep is your foundation because your body, your machine, as I call it, the thing we live in, the vehicle, without this, we're out of the game. So my whole question I ask to myself every day is what do I need to do to look after myself today I need to put so I I look after myself like a child I need to put myself to bed I need to feed myself what am I feeding myself it has to help me in my life so I eat consciously and that's taken time to understand when my body requests what it needs and I know that can be annoying for people who are like yeah my body requests crisps and chocolate it doesn't after a period of time and that's a whole conversation about the brain and that's why the brain puts the cravings out it does but that could be another podcast in itself so that's maybe does that answer your question yeah well i think if you want to achieve what you desire to in your life then being at your cognitive best is something you should strive to achieve and i think through my own learnings and experimentations i think there are three key ingredients to it one is definitely sleep and that routine that you have of when you go to bed and when you wake up i think is also very important as it is with any behavior you have of your body getting used to going to bed at a certain time waking up at a certain time and starting off your day with a morning routine coupled with that i think as you said correctly it's what you put in your body matters so much and I was lucky enough in a prior life to to write 15 or 16 articles on gut health. We're going through that. You start realizing the implications of poor gut health has on you, not only you know, does it cause type two diabetes and Alzheimer's and many other things? It can make the difference on how you sleep, how you don't sleep, your cognitive functioning, how you feel during the day, obviously weight gain, weight loss. And then I think the third thing for me is whether it's exercise, whether it's a yoga class, whether it's a mindset routine you have, having some way to deal with the anxiety and that stress that comes into your life on a daily basis. It's balancing sleep, what you eat, you know, and kind of that wellness to me that help unlock these other points. And I'm not going to sit here and lie. I, I was this person for so many years in my career where I was, you know, at times working 90, 100 hour work weeks. And in some, some cases, I 
even didn't have enough time then. But I started to realize when I was working all those hours, thinking I was getting all this work done, I really wasn't getting done the most important things. I was spending so much of my time answering the flood of emails that I had, staying up late. And what I found, especially in these global jobs, when you're working these different time zones, is the second people in India would see you come online, they start texting you or taking up your time. And then the US cycle comes on, you know, and then you're spending time in the early mornings with folks in Europe. And before you know it, you're letting all of this control you. And I learned over time that you're right, you've got to work smarter. And if you don't give yourself time to recharge and do some of the other things that you, you need to, whether it's reading or spending that time doing exercise or whatever it may be, you're never going to perform as well as you need to. And so mm-hmm. to me, I've learned to work much less and accomplish much more. Yeah, 100%. And I just want to say for your audience, so the formula is a baseline to get you started. It's not a ideal recommendation of this has to be your numbers. Everyone's numbers are going to be different and your numbers will change throughout your life as well, depending on what's going on. Like if you have a new job or a new family or a new relationship or you're in a global pandemic, you know, it's, everything is going to change. So it's about recognizing that this is, these are the boundaries, the parameters, and then everything after that is up to you so to come back to what you were saying about the difference between sort of people who are more successful and maybe don't need so much sleep this is possibly going into sort of more of a spiritual conversation whereby who knows and it's not scientifically proven when you're in flow and you're doing what you love maybe your body can recharge faster and as long as you're waking up without an alarm and as long as you are feeling alert and as long as you are not using stimulants uh, like coffee and things like this to keep yourself awake then maybe you're just one of these people who is in flow and you you don't need so so much sleep like there are no solid answers and I think this is if people take away anything from this podcast take away be the scientist of your own life and there are no rules okay I think that's a great transition point so you know you talked about Richard Branson at the beginning and not having many other influences that you can look at uh, who inspired you but that has changed over your life so can you tell me what are some of the relationships or inspirations that have mattered the most to you and have had the biggest impact on where you are now so interestingly enough a man i've never met since or a man i only met once had probably the biggest impact on my life he gave me a post-it note in a nightclub and um john i i just thought his phone number was on it i put it in my handbag again back in the day we just used to hand people our numbers on post-its on paper (laughs) it just was the way it was done and it was only later the next day when i got home and i looked at it and it actually said winners find a way and that guy on that day that quote became my life mantra i added the extra word of always to it because i personally need to remind myself there's always a way, always a way, no matter how hard it may seem, no matter whether it's not something I've done before, there's always a way, find a way, find a way. So this stranger with a post-it note probably was one of the biggest pivotal moments. I've then sort of after that had many spiritual teachers, personal development teachers. I've gone on the journey with uh, with a ton of them, sort of from the Jim Rohns to the Tony Robbins to the Zig Ziglar's to the Wayne Dyers, to the um, the Marie Forleos, you know, you name it, whoever's out there, I've consumed their content to the sort of the Tom Blues, the people that you were mentioning, all of these podcasts, like there is so much information. One of my favorite podcasts actually is by um, a guy called Dr. Huberman. 
and um, he has an Instagram account called Huberman Lab and his podcast is all around neuroscience, the brain and what's possible. And I just, I love that. And this comes back to the shared thing that we've both got sort of the brain injury. And I needed to know that my brain was able to rewire itself. And there is a science called neuroplasticity and it proves that throughout our life our brains rewire they used to believe that it was only up to the age of seven but our brains rewire throughout our life maybe slightly slower as we get older but it still rewires so you can teach an old dog new tricks. that's great and what is the one thing or possibly handful of things that really helped your career take off that the listeners could learn from so by my career or my business your business Yes. I would say the biggest piece of advice I could give anybody is no one's going to give you permission. That's the first thing. No one will give you permission to do what it is that you want to do. You will never feel ready. So write it down. And as we've discussed, take an action, break it down into the smallest steps and just do something. Turn this word that we have in our vocabulary, failure, turn this word into feedback. So every time you do something, you're not failing, you're getting feedback because we are testing and adjusting. We only fail if we are working in a job or a career or a sector where there is zero tolerance for mistakes. So this word has been sort of taken out of context and used as a stick to beat ourselves with. So I would say you'll never feel ready. No one will ever give you permission and change failure for feedback and just give it a go. Become a scientist. And what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is you'll be successful. And that sounds a bit odd to say, but we are actually more scared of success than we are of failure. Because failure, we can kind of deal with that. Everyone's going to say, oh, it didn't work out. You're not very good. Boo-hoo you. Move on. I knew better. Like you can deal with that. But success, well, we've never really been there. So what's going to happen when we're really successful? What like, what are people actually going to say? What what is our bank account going to look like? What, what are our clients? How am I going to manage it? Who will I become? So this is where the work is if there is any work. And the best way to know that success is not scary is to look at all of the people who are doing what it is that you want to do as proof that it's not killed them. They're still doing it and that they've tried it. And if it's possible for them, it's possible for you. So that would be my big tip. Okay, that's great. And in the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned two quotes. One of them was from John Maxwell, famous author here in America, who said, the secret of your success is found in your daily routine. Um, And then I did another one from Miles Davis, where he says, time isn't the main thing, it's the only thing. And today we've talked a lot about routine and time management. If you're a person who is struggling to make the first step, what would be your advice to them in leading their life with better time management in mind? The first and the most simple thing I would say is get a piece of paper right now, get a pen and write this down. It's my time. And then say it in two different ways. It's my time. And then say it in this way. It's my time. And the intonation, what I mean by this is on one side, now is the time. There has never been a better time. You will never feel ready. It will never look good enough. You will never get permission. And on the other side, the clock is ticking and it's your time. It's not someone else's time. No one else owns your time, thankfully, anymore. We live in in a world where the majority of people own their own 
time. And even if you have to go to a job that you hate, let's change this into a gratitude. This role that I am currently in is helping me to have food. It's helping me to have security and somewhere to sleep. It's helping me to have water when I turn on the tap. It's where I am right now. And where I am, rock bottom is not my solid foundation. Rock bottom is not where I stay. It's my solid foundation that I build from. So see it like that. Yeah, I, I recently did a podcast on the power of choice. And in it, I talked about how so many of the choices we make every single day are based on habit or ease or things that we're used to. But we often don't prepare ourselves to make the most important choices in our lives. And you talked about it earlier, where we keep saying, I can't to life-changing opportunities. And in a recent podcast I did uh, with an astronaut, Chris Cassidy, he talks about whether it was his time as a SEAL or as an astronaut, we're doing Ironman triathlons. He said, it's those choices that you make along the way to make yourself better. And the training that you do, which in this case is the work that you do on a constant basis, that when those opportunities come, and he's had some life or death ones in our own lives, it's often just saying, I can to a life-changing opportunity. It's doing those things that prepare you that when that opportunity comes, you take it. And so that's some of the advice I give is oftentimes it's doing the hard work day in and day out, doing the things you don't want to do to prepare yourself for when that opportunity comes. You're not going to be afraid to take that leap. You're you're going to run with it and that will make all the difference in your life. Totally. And it's like my post-it note, which obviously is my quote behind me and a bracelet that I wear. I say to myself every day, I'll find a way because <laughs> there's always going to be something that comes up. I'll find a way. And it's when you back yourself more than you talk badly to yourself. And that's the transition. I think that's one of the pivotal things. It's how you talk to yourself. I'll find okay. a way. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's not going to work. Why would you why would you leave that? Why would you try that? Why would you do that? I'll find a way. I'll find a way. And if that negative voice isn't other people around you, it's often the voice in your head. So it's about having that sentence, I'll find a way. It's my time. It's my time. I'll find a way. Well, Abigail, um, I'm going to let you give a shout out to the audience now. Um, if someone who's listening or watching to this podcast would like to get in contact with you, how can they do so? So I hang out daily on Instagram with Motivation Inspiration. You can find me at A Barnes Author. I'm sure John will put all of this in the show notes. Um, and also connect with me on LinkedIn because I'm there daily as well. I'd love to chat to you. If you've got any questions, if anything hasn't made any sense, then reach out because it's only through asking questions that we can evolve. Okay. And so that leads me to the last portion of this podcast where I'm going to inter where I'm going to ask you a series of lightning rounds of questions. So you kind of led into that well. So um, I'm going to start if that's okay. What is something that you removed from your life that has made you more productive? Excuses. Okay. What are the things that you look for in a good leader? Or if you want to answer it this way, the red flags that make a person a bad leader? A good leader to me is somebody who gets in the trenches and gets on with it with you. Okay. If you had the opportunity to meet someone dead or alive that you've never met before, who would it be and why? This is a great question. Oh no, John, I'm on the spot. Maybe Buddha. And maybe to ask him like about his top tips on meditating. <laughs> And once we get all this COVID uh, madness behind us, where is one place that you would love to travel? 
Um, I really love Bali and I also I love America, obviously, and um, I also love the Middle East. So I, I think there's a, a sun lounger with my name on it in, in Dubai. <laughs> and, and more of a, a personal question. Do you feel that you going through this stroke um, has been a positive or negative impact in your life? I feel like I've been given a second life. So the person who I was before doesn't exist anymore. So I've had the opportunity to have a rebirth without having to go back to um, being a baby again, if that makes sense. So I think it's been a positive. Yeah, it's what it is. Well, Abigail, thank you so much for being on the show today. I very much enjoyed our conversation. And I think there's so much here for our listeners to unpack. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. What an awesome interview that was with Abigail Barnes. And it actually inspired me to record a solo episode on the Passion Struck podcast called the I Don't Have Time Syndrome. It's episode 27 if you want to check it out. And I wanted to let you know, we have some incredible guests coming on the show that I wanted to talk to you about. I got incredible news yesterday from NASA that I am able to interview astronaut Kayla Barnes, who's one of of the newly selected astronauts on the Armidus program, where in the future, she will get the opportunity to go to Moon and Mars. I'm gonna to talk to her for her main voyage to the International Space Station, and I can't wait for you to hear that interview. Additionally, I have Trav Bell coming up from the land down under, who is known worldwide as the bucket list guy. And we're gonna talk about how you can put bucket lists not only in your life, but achieve it. And then I have on Steph Lee, another amazing guest who overcame such personal hardships through sickness that she developed six or seven years ago and now how overcoming that disease has changed her life and the passion-driven pursuit that she is after today. I also wanted to let you know that we have now surpassed 40,000 downloads of this podcast since February and are now at over 100,000 views on the YouTube channel. Thank you all for making that happen. And remember, make a choice, work hard, step into your sharp edges. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Passion Struck Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts at. And if you absolutely love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our passion struck community. If you'd like to learn more about the show and our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us.